When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, dear listener. I want to take a quick moment here to tell you all about Lonely Spectre Productions' latest album, Eerie Earfuls, Haunted Sounds of Halloween Night. Comprised of chilling sound effects for the spooky season, it is an ooky spooky new narrative and all original music by Jared Good, James Edwards, and special musical guest Sean Keller. As you know from the killer sounds of Halloween, we had him on Fright School last Halloween. Eerie Earfuls follows three adventurous children on a journey through the macabre neighborhood of Evercrest, Massachusetts. As our heroes make their way to a mysterious Halloween bash, they must brave ravenous werewolves, ghastly ghosts, eccentric witches, and a nightmarish array of other ghouls before the night is over. You can find it on Bandcamp and probably wherever you can buy uh, new spooky music albums. Uh, We adore the crew over there and we just wanted to give them a shout out so please check it out and you can check out the notes on this episode section for more information. Happy Halloween! Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. How are you doing? I am doing all right. So excited because it's still October and it's spooky season. I know. It's very spooky season. (laughs) We are deep in it. Yeah, we're recording again in person. I know. Look at this. You're right there. I can see your face. I know. I wanted to do it the old-fashioned way. Yeah. Right? Yeah, it was so funny because you were like, let's do old-fashioned. Let's watch a movie together and record. Like, look at that. In the same day at the same time. In the same day at the same time. Just like the olden days. The olden times. Yes, the old the old ways. Yes, as the we, old ways. As we know. As we will get into uh, in, the second, in the second half. But uh, for now, what's going on? What's happening? How are you doing? Oh, well, you know what? I'm doing great. Um, I started a new job. I don't really talk about work on here, so yeah. I won't say too much more, but I did start... I'm, like, I work for the CIA or something. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I started Because you job. definitely don't work for the CIA. Yeah, I definitely don't. Wink, wink, nudge. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not an international man of mystery with a license to kill. Um, no, not at all. No. I, definitely not. I have a license to slay a look, though. Mm, no. There I mean, you go. But Josh was laughing, because <laughs> when have I ever... "Quote unquote," slayed a look. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got your normie thing pinned down really well. Thank you. I love my normie look. Yeah, and you've got like you know, I look like your assistant. I think <laughs> where we when we go places, I look like you know, 
I look like like you are Coco and I am Mallory. Um, identity spell style. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I just, yeah. I just also you just totally yeah referenced uh, a season of American Horror Story that probably nobody watched or remembers. Uh, no, are kidding. you kidding? <laughs> what? That was like one of my favorites. You know, I love a revisiting. Yes. You know, I mean, also this season gave us like you know a coven of like gay warlocks. I mean, That's I'm true. assuming gay. Because right. They didn't go too far in. They were just very catty. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, Behold Chibli. Yeah. And um, what is it? Something Pennypacker? Baldwin Pennypacker. <laughs> Hot. Yeah. Uh, part of me thinks that just, you know, that's all all kinds of gay. Anyway, um, so yeah, I got a new job, which has been great. Awesome. Um, and uh, we have, I've actually been watching something new. Um, James and I have decided to jump on Jimmy Kins and have to, decided to jump on the bandwagon and we watched the first two episodes of Squid Game. Oh, very cool. I, we've not started it. I've added it to my list, but I haven't started it. So don't get too spoilerly now. No, not going to get too spoilerly. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure you Is can... Is it full en- of squids? Um, and games. Yes. Awesome. I love squids. Do you really? I think they're really cool creatures. Oh, yeah. do you, oh, I thought you meant like to eat. Like, uh, well, that too, I guess. Calamari. Uh huh. That's squid, right? I don't know. I don't I eat calamari, so. so. Well, but all that you don't really do seafood. No, huh? I do like fish straight up. Oh, you know, right. I don't really do you know all of the other of you know, yeah. uh, the creatures of the sea. I just eat yeah. fish straight up. Yeah. Well, I will eat them, but I do also think they're pretty cool animals like to see swimming around and stuff you know not that i like go swimming with squids but i just mean on like a nature video yeah (laughs) i was like do you like commune with cuttlefish or something yeah you didn't know that it's it's my special power yeah they love me that explains a lot um so yeah so we watched it um and it was it first two episodes are pretty pretty great um it's not going to be for everybody, but I'm actually really surprised at how popular it's getting. So, uh, popular it's getting among an American audience, I should say, specifically because, you know, if it's not made in Hollywood and it doesn't speak in English, then we don't really, you know, it seems like Americans don't really care. Um, and so I know, like, I have started to be like you, where if it's a foreign language film, you prefer to read the subtitles. Mm-hmm. Um with Squid Game, they did a really good job of dubbing um, the English, and that's how we've been watching it. And it actually, it doesn't make me miss the subtitles at all. I can actually focus a little bit on what what's going on. So, yeah, just throwing that out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, that would be. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I would probably just yeah read it, listen than, to it, and it's Korean. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's the thing, though. You know, I mean, there's this like illusion that you know that Americans like don't want to engage with like foreign content, but like I think that something like this kind of proves like people don't. You know, I mean, like anime is insane here. Japanese horror films are insane here. You know, they remake them, but I feel like people still have an appreciation for like the original. I know they're saying that Squid Games is going to get an American remake, but I mean, I mean, that's a rumor I saw. I saw a few things. I saw that. I saw a thing saying that the person who wrote it spent like 10 years trying to sell it and then finally did. And now it's like number one in 90 countries. The other thing I saw was somebody was saying that the. It's not being 
interpreted exactly like the translation. I don't know if that's with the subtitles or with the dub, but I saw some criticism about that as well. But again, I've not seen it, so I don't know. And I guess maybe I wouldn't even know since I don't speak (laughs) the language, but I saw this, there were some discrepancies like posted about, um, uh, some of the translations were a little that totally sexist, makes sense. Maybe uh, that totally makes sense a little bit, uh, mainly because I feel like I feel like the same thing happened with Parasite. Like there were people who uh, there wasn't. Did you watch Parasite? No, not yet. Uh, so there's there's something that happens in Parasite where like the this particular food item doesn't have a like. English translation. Yeah. So they had to create one, which ended up being a whole like American meme <laughs> from it. But okay. I mean, that's the thing. Like we're living in a, we're living in an America that like the number one pop group is BTS. Right. Which is a Korean based pop group. So, you know, there's the, that's the thing is that I think that like, this is the future that the conservatives are, <laughs> are scared of. <laughs> right. It's the globalization yeah. and, um, I think we've talked about before the idea of soft power where it's like cultural, Mm -hmm. cultural artifacts that help influence like policy and life in in another country. So, um, yeah. Plus, I mean, not for nothing, Korea has its own, um, has a lot of its own problems with regards to class. Like Mm. it's, it's huge class disparities as well. So it only makes sense that, you know, they, it makes it only makes sense that it is kind of getting a reading and a translation and resonating with folks here. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just me wanting to like as much of a, um, misanthropic person as I can be when I, (laughs) it's like, I also do think that we are like way cooler than we're like led to believe sometimes like in the sense of like, I think people are way more, I don't know. Uh, sometimes I, it goes back and forth, but there are some times where I'm like, you know, I think maybe we're, we're going to be okay. Like if we stop believing that we're all pieces of garbage, like maybe, maybe we're really not as, you know, I don't know. So like the, the, it goes back to like the conversation we had about get out being so popular and now this, and you know, there's been other things that are not necessarily American made and in like American English like that. Mm-hmm you know, I have been successful and that we've demanded has to be like remade. Like, I, I really think that's coming from like Hollywood studio suit motherfuckers who just, you know, they're, they're the ones who need to have things remade in their image rather than yeah. the populace. Yeah, as it's a whole. doing fine. Just exactly as it is. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I mean, it also opens up an entire, like in, it opens up like droves of new content for people because the people who like this are going to go and try to discover like K dramas. If they didn't already yeah. watch them, they're going to discover K dramas are going to discover like, you know, uh, uh, they're going to discover films, specifically horror films from Korea where it's like, I think that was always my misguided, and quite frankly, fairly xenophobic and racist idea in terms of like watching foreign films mm. used to be that the quality was not going to be as good. And in terms of, you know, the movie quality. But at the end of the day, the, as long as you have the money, the technology is there. So if there's a film industry, it's going to, the quality will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so interesting because I feel like, and maybe again, this might be my own sort of like, uh, I don't know how to put it exactly. Like, 
like I, I have found that a lot of foreign content that I've engaged with over my life has been far superior to American stuff sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like deeper or more like cerebral. Again, that might be my own like biases about like, you know, American quote culture uh, for some things, not everything. Like, you know, like some of the horror films that get remade. I'm like, well, this took away all the nuance that existed in you know, like the original, like, you know, let the right one in or something like that. I was just going to say that. Like where it's like, it kind of loses something in translation that was there that either Americans don't understand or again, more likely studio executives think people won't understand. And so they simplify to be like, you know, well, Americans, like they're the ones telling us we're dumb, not the other way around. Sometimes again, there are lots of ways that people are dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's like, it's the studio executives thinking that because it's not going to sell, this is capitalism in film yeah. art, right? Because it's not going to sell. We need to make it in this way. Right. Or make it so it's so like base where, yeah, yeah I feel like no, a lot of the content I've engaged with. And again, I don't really en- engage with film on like the level of like, you know, is this well-crafted or the cinematography, mm-hmm. like the cameras they're using that, you know, I'm wanting a good story that speaks to like, you know, a cultural, thing or just is experiential or takes me on kind of a journey. And so I've just found that a lot of like foreign horror, again, maybe because it is speaking to things that don't sometimes don't exist from an American perspective, you know, because they're talking about their own particular cultural anxieties and other places, other artists, other filmmakers that are creating things, you know, or it's just, yeah, that it feels a little smarter, but again, they're, but that also sounds bad. It's like, it's not exact. I'm not able to exactly craft. I think what I meant is just like nuance, like some things I've just never considered it that way. Like I've never heard like what you're saying where like, Oh, foreign films may be less, might not be as good because of like access to like, I've never heard that concern. Most what I hear from people who don't want to watch a foreign film is they don't want to read it Mm. or they are like, or people feel like they won't identify with a story where it's like, well, a lot of these things can also be universal or can be creepy because you learn about, you know, new things to scare you <laughs> if we're, if we're staying just in horror. Yeah. But again, lots of like incredible films have, you know, come over and, you know, won yeah. Oscars and, you know, if, you know, we're measuring things by that, you know, Academy Award kind of, you know, awards season in general, uh, um, I, and so- done well. So the thing, the example that I always give is the movies. I think I've actually talked about this on the show before, mm-hmm. but Shall We Dance with Richard Gere, Jennifer oh, Lopez, yeah, 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 and yeah. Susan Sarandon. So I didn't know this, but Shall We Dance American version is actually a remake of a Japanese film. Yeah, 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 yeah. And in the in and I, I'm sure I've talked about this when we've done the other Japanese when we did Ringu probably, but um, the Japanese film talks more about like the culture of what it means to be like a man who wants more right out who wants more than just like what he has. Yeah. yeah and yeah. his like, his like that kind of existential, this isn't a horror film by any means, but like that existential angst of like, you know, I, there's gotta be more to life than this. Subsequently, like I thought that it was clearer that he was not there to cheat and he was there to be like, he was there to, be more fulfilled as a person in order to like be better partner for his wife. Right. And you didn't, I didn't really get that. I think that's what shall we dance American version missed out. Like we, it was supposed to be just a fun dance movie, but like, you know, 
it was saying more in Jap- Japanese than it was in America. Yeah, and in that case, that maybe would have still read because you know men in in American society because we're like, um, have you heard of like power distance? No, what is that? So it's like this idea in like cultural psychology, there are these different distals like of power. And one of them is like masculine feminine. So like masculine countries like Japan, it's like a 90 <laughs> on the scale of uh, masculine uh, ideals. And what that means is like, um, like sort of in America, we're also pretty high on it, I believe in the sense of like competition, higher hierarchical structures in business and, and things like that. Uh, so I feel like that idea might really resonate with, you know, some American men of wanting, of like being kind of trapped. So I think that's a good example of like how things don't need to get lost or don't need to be taken away and could have had a more profound conversation exactly because in the american version he like is inspired to dance but it makes it it assumes that the reason why he wants to dance is because he wants to be closer to this beautiful woman right lopez and not his wife and not his wife or not just even for himself right or yeah 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 yeah, Yeah. yeah. huh well anyways the the point is is that you're enjoying squid games Right. Yeah, um, <laughs> we're we're watching it together. Yeah, so you know because we don't live together, we're gonna we we're gonna be doing what we did most of last year, which is like you know on un, on days when we can't be together, we'll probably watch it like remotely. So you know we'll we'll press play at the same time. Shout out to anyone else who did that with friends and family over the over the pandemic. But um, yeah, and 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 that ended up being some of my favorite ways to watch things because like we get to experience something together at the same time too. Yeah. Well, how fun. Well, I'm looking forward to uh to watching it myself. Yeah. And uh to hearing your thoughts on it when we get there. Uh Yes. Yeah. I actually would think that if we could time it like it would be cool to watch it with you. Yeah. Like towards the end. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't we'll know see. how soon we're going to be able to like start it just cuz we have a million other things happening, but Oh, uh, well, yeah, it's spooky season. So, speaking of which, what what have you been watching? Uh, well, you know, you brought up American Horror Story, and I realized I don't think we've even really talked about the latest season yet on the show. Well, we uh, may... Maybe we've mentioned it, but... Maybe we'll maybe do it for a special episode, because it's coming up the end. I don't up. know. Uh, you know, I, I've been enjoying it, though, I guess, so... Our listeners love when we produce the show live on Live air. on air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, again, this is totally live. Uh, All right. Well, then maybe we'll do something when that wraps up, and then we'll talk about it. All right. So we'll stick a pin in that. Sorry, dear listeners, if you've been on your edge of your seat waiting to hear what we thought of American Horror Story. Yeah. Or not Uh, review. They're like, wait, what? What is that? (laughs) Is that it? That's still on. Uh, We did watch the Adams Family sequel, Adams Family 2. Okay. To the... Uh, cartoon version that came out, I think, in 2019, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. It was not like that right ago. before the pandemic. Everything is like that now. Before pandemic, after pandemic. Well, we're still in the pandemic. We're not even after COVID yet. Uh, that'll be the new, like, BC, before COVID. Yeah. What is it? Before the common era. Well, BCE, I guess they BCE, say. BCE, and then CE is the common era. Yeah. But, like, you know. AD, Anno yeah. Domini. You know. Yeah, so we'll have to, yeah, it's going to shift. It'll be before COVID and uh, after the COVID era. <laughs> before COVID era, after the COVID. Well, there will be no after, I guess. We're yeah. just here with it's it. It's before COVID, and then it'll be 
you know, <laughs> we've HMS, spent too much time trying to figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Hellscape, uh, apocalypse. Um, yeah. So we watched the new Adams family too. I, it was cute. Uh, it wasn't exactly what I thought it would be. Uh, not like the, the first one. I kind of, it was cute, but it was also like, yes, this is a, like, I get this story, like what they're kind of doing with it. Uh, it was cute. It was fun. I liked the animation. You know, those usual themes that you find in Adam's family about, like, you know, the abnormal are actually, you know, far more, like, well-adjusted than the normies, so to speak. Uh, but this new one, it was like they were, like, on a road trip, you know, to, like, it was like vacation with the Adams family. While at the same time having this, like, question of, like, Wednesday, Wednesday's paternity. So that maybe somebody else was her dad. Maybe she was switched at birth, which is really a fascinating thing when you're like, you look at this child. This is obviously an Adams. Is but, it nature or nurture? Right. It's not Marilyn from the Munsters. Right. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's the question, right? But uh, but it was cute. I mean, I definitely recommend checking it out. Uh, we bought like the cinema at home thing, you know, whatever it is, movies at home uh, version uh, and uh, watched it together. It was fun. Uh, but... I say you could definitely wait until it's like HBO Max or whoever's going to have it. Yeah. I think Prime has probably pa- uh, Paramount Plus or right Paramount know. Plus. Uh, how many most can we name? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a bingo card. Like how many do you have? Uh, yeah, so that was fun. That was kind of like the big thing. Otherwise, I've been doing my like I save I I save to watch certain things during this time mm-hmm. during during this month so I watched Hocus Pocus the other night which was fun I did too yeah I, I, my friends did an outdoor viewing oh that would have been fun yeah oh I didn't get they're an not invite. horror people I was really trying to get them to watch like you know teeth or high tension mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I was like let's watch something gay and something slashery and they were like no and I'm like okay well Hocus Pocus is I guess fine adequate yeah. It's fun. That would be a nice outdoor movie yes. to kind of watch because you don't have to like. We've all seen it a million times. You can like talk over it, have drinks, have exactly. popcorn. You'd be like you, know. you there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you sing, and you do. You know, you you quote at it, you talk back at it. it that would be fun. That'd yeah. be a good one to do that with. Uh, so yeah, I watched that. Uh, I also <laughs> watched. Uh, Lord, I watched the uh, original Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Oh, Showtime what? movie from 1996, I think, uh, or four, 94, 96, somewhere around there, uh, with Melissa Joan Hart, of course. But oh, then with the totally, different. Yeah, everybody's different. It's like a totally different cast. All those people are like, what? We didn't get hired for the ABC show. Wait, so was the show before or after? After, after. They, did, they, they made the film and then... They did the... And then adapted it oh, for television. Okay. Uh, yeah. Which is so funny because I was listening to the Elvira. Um, you know, I've been listening to Elvira's autobiography. I haven't finished it yet because it's like I can't bear to. I'm like, oh, it's going to be over. I've only got a couple more chapters left. And it's been fun listening to her tell it. But she talked about, you know, she did a pilot called The Elvira Show, which was about her and like, I guess it's a sister or something like that. But anyways, it's like two witches, their pet cat, and then a niece comes to live with them who has magical powers, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, they're gonna, like, take her under their wing, and, you know, that's kind of, like, the concept. Uh, and the same thing, that they're, like, witches living in this, like, normie kind of town. So, uh, but one of the execs, like, one of the bigwigs or whatever saw the pilot and was like, you know, 
can't put tits like that on TV, you know? So, like, it didn't happen. Like, even though she was pretty sure, like, she talks, she tells the whole story in the book that um, she was pretty much guaranteed. Like, they yeah. basically promised that this was going to go, and then, but that's, you know, fucking Hollywood. So, she was just kind of like, I feel like a little bitter, because she's like, a couple years later, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, like, debuted and was a big hit, and it was about two ants, their pet cat, and <laughs> a teenage witch. But no boobies. So... Yeah. That's that was the thing. There was a, a conspicuous absence of yabos. Yes, there you go, yabos. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> to bring it back to hocus pocus. So yeah, uh, so I watched that the Sabrina uh, just for fun. I saw it and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it was. Out, I'd watched the Wicker Man and then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna watch that. Here's it my palate up. cleanser. Yeah, it popped up. Well, I mean, I love the Wicker Man. We'll get into that. So it's like yeah. I didn't necessarily need a palate cleanser, but I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna watch this. This will be fun. Just kind of lay here on the couch and like, you know, be a be a vegetable and watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's the movie is like ridiculous, but I enjoy it. Uh, I also am looking forward to. Uh, I think was it Chelsea? I think Chelsea posted that they had watched. Uh, which is of Eastwick and Practical Magic, yes. or Bed Bath and yes. Broomsticks. Yeah, <laughs> I think they call it. I was like, I think that's a really fun double feature. So I'm going to do that sometime this week. Bed Bath and Broomsticks. Yeah, because uh, as of this, once this recording comes out, um, Alice Hoffman, who wrote the novel that Practical Magic is based on, she's released two prequels, and now a sequel will come out tomorrow, Tuesday the twelfth. Do you uh, have your copy already? Not yet, but I have it through Warwick's. She's doing a live signing on Zoom. So yes, I have my ticket to that and then they'll ship me the book, which is good because I have a lot of books I'm trying to finish. Uh, But I'm excited to finally read it. It's been like 20 plus years or something since the first one was published uh, to get the sequel. Like I said, we've gotten a couple prequels and that's been really great to like learn about like the family and all of that in the past. But I'm kind of excited to find out where what Sally and Jillian and Tony and Kylie have been up to in all this time. (laughs) Joshua, you are, you are, like, the word basic I would never use to describe you until this moment. (laughs) (laughs) That's delightful. Uh, That's fine by me. I'm going to go put the lime in the coconut, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Hey, I love, oh my gosh, I want that house so bad. I love Practical Magic. Uh, It's adorable. Uh, You know, it's like, you get to see Sandra Bullock and... um, Nicole Kidman with their old faces. That's super fun. You get to see <laughs> uh, Stockard Channing and um, not, Diane Weist. Is it Diane Weist that's Diane in Diane Weist, yeah. yes. So it's like, I love Aiden it. Aiden Quinn. Yes, that's right. And, you know, whatever his name is. Oh, yeah. The Goran Slobodan Milosevic. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That was bad. I should have said so that. The, you're awful. The uh, music, I like the music in it. There's some Stevie Nicks in there. It's a good time, you know? So, yeah. So, obvious. oh, we've got things coming up. Halloween Kills is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, as of this recording, last night, I went to the Scream 25th anniversary mm-hmm. screening. But we'll have to talk about that <laughs> on next week's episode. <laughs> Uh, as we play with time here, as yes. we do, as we do. These are voices from the past. Um, but yeah, um, I'm very excited for Halloween Kills. That comes out the 15th, so this Friday. Uh, what else is going on? We're having an all-day. That's going to be super fun. I, maybe I'll have to figure out a way to like live tweet or do something. 
I don't know, something. Well, well, I mean, like... For Halloween. Maybe for, like, one or two films, but don't do it the whole time. Like, yeah. Don't, I mean, <laughs> I'm telling Joshua not to work the whole day um, <laughs> to promote our podcast when he knows full well that I don't do the Twitter, so... Right. He's volunteering to do something. I lo- it's so much fun doing the live tweeting. Actually, they're yeah. doing something kind of cool that, I, you know, I don't know how they set it up, but it's like, if you go to, like, the Halloween Facebook or Instagram, you can, like, send them a message, and then they send you, like, um, base. it's like a uh, hosted, like, you start Halloween, the 2018 version, you know, that came out a couple years ago, you start that, and you, like, start the feed or whatever, and it's, like, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, like, factoids and things that pop up through the film, and you, like, follow it on the... Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. That's really cool. Yeah, so I'm going to try... I'm going to try to do that sometime this week just to kind of see what it's like, and then uh, maybe, like, try to find some way to do that on, like, actual Halloween yeah. and kind of share that with uh, with folks. We'll see. But, yeah, we're having a Halloween, like, Michael Myers marathon and Halloween 3, of course, the mm-hmm. season of the witch, uh, for Halloween all day. It's going to be like so fun. starting with Halloween. Yeah. I, what I did was I split the day into two parts. So it's going to be some of my favorite sequels in the morning or, well, the afternoon. It'll start at noon. And then... There's going to be like a little interlude with Chelsea Stardust, you know, like uh, videos and things that, you know, like the curation. And then... The official canon. And then it'll be what they, yeah, like the retcon thing. So it'll be Halloween 1978, Halloween 2018, Are you watching Halloween Zombies? Kills. No, 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 okay. no. I'm not going to, I'm not doing those. Not for this. It's just too much. There's not enough time. Uh, and I want to be able to start like Halloween Kills by eight. That way people can, you know, it's a Sunday this year. So it's like... And everybody's old. Nobody wants to stay past, you know, 10 o'clock anymore. Girl, you don't also want us to stay past 10 o'clock. On Halloween, I do. I want oh, people there okay. till midnight. Midnight to midnight, really. Everybody should come midnight on the 31st and yeah. stay until midnight on the 1st. <laughs> we'll just have an all-day slumber party. Oh, my gosh, this sounds so much fun. I'll build a fire in the back. You know, we can write our the things that we want to, you know, lose to, in the upcoming year, burn them. It'll be fun, like Are we you, did last year. Is this basically, like, do you want a sleepover or do you want us to, like, you know, celebrate Samhain? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I have lots of ideas. Uh, we'll figure it out. Again, this is probably not the place to do that. Uh, I wish I could have all of our listeners here with me. One day, we'll figure that out. We'll have a big, huge party and everybody will come. <laughs> And we'll have it at your house. Uh, anyways. All right. I think we've talked enough nonsense. <laughs> so let's take a quick break, and we will be back to chat about the Wicker Man. Hey, everybody. I'm Chris Fafalius, and I'm the producer of Chris Makes a Podcast and the host of the One Hit Thunder Podcast. And I'm Matt Kelly, host of Horror Movie Night and the producer slash the head of content for the Geekscape Podcasting Network. Between the two of us, we have, believe it or not, 25 years of podcasting experience, and we want to help you start your own podcast. We know podcasting, and we want to share that knowledge with you. So whether you're new to podcasting or you want some feedback on your currently active podcast, we want to help. Or perhaps you're just overwhelmed with all of the editing work. Well, we can help you with that also. You can check out our website at weknowpodcasting.com for more information. We're excited to help your podcasting dreams become a reality. 
Welcome back. All right, so this week we are continuing our descent into folk horror madness with 1973's The Wicker Man. So last week, uh, when we did the blood on Satan's claw, I talked about how The Wicker Man was one of the three films that was sort of categorized as like the... Um, unholy trinity. The unholy trinity, exactly, of uh, films that define the folk horror genre uh, in the late 60s and early 70s. Uh, so this film we've got uh, directed by Robin Hardy. It is written, uh, well, the screenplay Anthony Schaefer, uh, but it's based on David Pinner's 1967 novel Ritual, which I've not read, but now I really want to, starring Edward Woodward, Britt Eklund, Ingrid Pitt, and Christopher Lee. I think this is the first time we've done a film with Christopher Lee in it. I don't know how that's correct, but I believe it is. Yeah, because, yeah, I feel wow. like we're doing all kinds of firsts this uh, over the last few weeks because we'd never done a film with Vincent Price in it either until no. I mean, The House on Haunted Hill. Again, this, is, this just shows how, like, vast the genre is. Yeah. Truly. And we can spend all this time, and and you know we've been doing this for I don't know it gets like five six years now something like that. We so, keep saying that, and we still have not like pinned down. It's just forever. I don't remember a time without you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the Wicker Man. I wanted to sort of as an introduction read this little piece because I really liked it. This is from Senses of Cinema, The Wicker Man, uh, written by Daniel Lamon. This is from March of 2019. It's in no way an exaggeration to say that there is no other film like Robin Hardy's. 1973 masterpiece, The Wicker Man. Buried by its studio on initial release, but now revered as one of the finest British horror films ever made, it pushes the boundaries of the genre in the most exquisite ways while breaking all its rules at the same time. It is the strangest combination of elements, a horror film conducted almost entirely in daylight, with no blood or gore or acts of extreme violence, no monsters or supernaturalism, and driven so much by its score that it feels at times like a kind of musical. The Wicker Man is both contemporary Temporary and ancient, immediate and primal, baffling and deeply disturbing, and the shockwaves it caused—the shockwaves it caused—are still felt in horror cinema today. Joe, what'd you think of the Wicker Man? Well, this might shock you, Joshua, but I loved it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not shocked. I think it's a very good film, even outside the realm of horror. So, um, I loved it. I was engaged the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, you, what did you say to me before we started? It's like you might love this because it's accidentally a musical. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So, which I did, and again, like uh, we we need to really we really need to do the Love Witch um, one of these episodes because, like, watching this actually made me really appreciate more the Love Witch because yeah. it it has a lot of that kind of like random singing and all of a sudden and people like celebrating around a maypole and stuff like that. And so, um, soundtrack was great. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of bummed that I posted my, uh, you know, my horror movie challenge soundtrack, uh, thing already because I would have put this one instead, (laughs) but yeah, overall really good. I, uh, I don't usually say this above about movies before 1980, but I would watch this again. Yeah. Yeah. Really Very good. cool. Yeah, I'm glad because I, I also enjoy it. I think it's, 
You know, it's very ominous. It's one of those films that it's very tight. The story, I feel like, you know, you're following this guy all around this island. You know, things are getting like, as as it moves on, it gets more and more ominous, more and more like, what is happening here exactly? Like things start going on. Images start popping in. It just gets like freakier and freakier as it goes. Uh, so yeah, I, I enjoy it. I do. I really feel like even outside of horror, which in a way, I mean, it, it, it's a horror film again, because of like the existential elements of it and the, you know, the, these are the, the conversation happening in it is, you know, thousands of years old, you know, as long as we've been like conquering and, you know, colonizing each other, uh, you know, these, these sorts of, uh, stories exist. So it's extremely relevant still, almost 50 years after it came out. Uh, it's beautiful. I agree. I like in, the music in it. Like, even though, yeah, there's times where it's like, gosh, it really does feel like a musical. But I feel like it makes sense. Like, these are people having a good time. They're playing the music. Like, what is it? Diad diagenetic diagetically diagetic uh yeah. diagetically like it makes sense in the context of the film mm-hmm. it's not like they just burst out singing i mean they do but it's within the confines of yeah, like the they, festival coming up and yeah the they culture. know that they're singing and the guy knows that they're singing yeah it's not like you know i'm in a musical and you <laughs> don't know if i'm really singing yeah. yeah yeah uh exactly so i just i think it still works all these years later and uh, this was one of those movies that I knew we were definitely obviously going to watch for the full core. You can't, the Wicker Man, you cannot avoid. Uh, I feel if you're going to, if we're. Wow, how ominous. Right, exactly. <laughs> if you cannot, uh, or I mean, if you're going to do a film like exploration of folk horror, like, yeah, the Wicker Man is going to be in there. Uh, so let's get down to it. Um, so. W- I think it, this is one of those movies that I feel like your social position will really inform like the interpretation of it to a certain degree. Like who is the villain in the movie? Who is like, you know, who's right, who's wrong, I think can really depend based on like how you kind of view the movie. And I'm only saying this because I read a few different reviews of it where, you know, some people like really identify with the main character with um, Sergeant police Howie. Sergeant Neil Howey. You know, so he's he's going. You know, he he arrives in these like uh, the uh, Hebridean Island, uh, Summer Isle, uh, to follow up on reports that a, a girl has gone missing there, a child. Uh, so he's coming there to to help to help find that. You know, so it's like uh, ostensibly well, he, does, he does think he's helping, right? So ostensibly, like he's the like good guy in the film, right? Because he's coming there, he wants to find the girl, and you know, and so his exploits that he's who we are following is he's uncovering more information about the town. Uh, but you know, the more he goes about his work, the more you're like, this guy is a fucking prick. <laughs> He's a jerk. He's such a jerk. He's so mean and nasty and like completely like uninterested in working like with these people. He's a guest of this like he's a guest of these people. Yeah. And, and they're all welcoming and like and, deliriously happy yeah, to have him there. So obviously happy. for they for, love know. him there. I mean, well, you know, yeah, we'll, right. we'll get into that a little bit yeah. later. But like it just doesn't make like for me I just like uh, the rules of hospitality like are 
the rules of hospitality are very sacred to me. And so, like, in this situation, it's like, wow, you're a really shitty guest. Yeah. Coming in and, like, shitting all over, like, these people's belief and stuff. And that's the other thing, too, is that up until up until the very end, they're not hiding anything from him. But he is, like, having to... He's abusing his authority, almost. Um yeah, there, I think there were several times, if you remember, there were several times where I was like, he can't do that. <laughs> he can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you were very uh, concerned with his uh, overreach of uh, police. I know. I was like, there is no, where is the due process of law yeah. here? Yeah, you're like, where's the warrant, sir? Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so some of the reviews, like, where it's, I feel like if you're somebody who's, like, deeply Christian and you go into watching this film, like, you probably really do identify and see him as, like, he's right. Like, these people are crazy. Like, what is happening? And you and one of the reviews I read was, like, the, the thing with this movie is it's about, like, denialism on the side of, like, the, uh, the island Mm-hmm. inhabitants you know that because they're in such extreme denial like they're you know destroying the world around them because they can't see like christ's love and they can't admit that like their um crops have you know died and they just need to like move on from that and like that's what the film is about that you know and and so there is this kind of like if you're watching it as one of those people you probably do see it's a very specific like christian anxiety like cultural anxiety that like the christian faith is under attack that like especially at this time again we're looking at the 70s so this is uh before the texas chainsaw massacre would come out again this is a british produced film but still like just to discuss like the you know destruction of values the destruction of like the nuclear family like again we're having those conversations of like the apocalyptic visions of the future that you know protestant catholic like you know um devout christian people have been concerned about for you know the last 2000 some years <laughs> you know that jesus is going to have to come back the apocalypse the antichrist like all of those sorts of anxieties are inhabited in like him uh also like white male anxieties of like i mean even though everybody in the film is white i think there is still something to be said for like pagan beliefs or like natural world beliefs meeting up against like a strong like christian devout christian white male with authority presence like it gives there is a sort of indigenous tension in this film even if everyone they're not present obviously yeah like everyone's a colonizer yeah but i think there can be a reading of that like the threat of that well we we talked about this and when you were outlining what exactly folk horror was is that like it's white people afraid of white people like (laughs) right yeah yeah to some degree it's white people afraid of white people because like uh lord summer isle even says that like you know his grandfather came and basically you know colonized the island but like you know made it what it was um it's just so fascinating because it's like he he is like uh, i mean not for nothing the christian the catholics also did that i thought it was very strange because like when i think of um when i think of great britain i don't normally go to catholicism right away you know because great britain is a famously an anglican country like that's where the church of england um you get so it was interesting to kind of see him it was interesting to see that representation of like when he is when he's having his like dark set night of the soul while the other while the woman next door is like you know popping her pussy to wet ass pussy like you, you 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 
you see him like taking communion, but like taking communion in the like Catholic true presence kind right. of way. And this film would come out 1973, right? Mm-hmm. So this film's like 10 years removed from the Second Vatican Ecumenical Council. The Second Ecumenical Council of the Vatican, aka Vatican II, where kind of like the Latin Mass goes out, like, you know, you you there's there's changes that are happening. And yeah. so it kind of I'm actually I was trying to make a point that like this was so close to that, maybe a commentary on that because like, but it's 10 years removed. So maybe not necessarily, but there's that kind of renewed conversation about what that means to be Catholic, um, especially in that time. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And one that like, I definitely was not aware of not being a Catholic and not knowing too much about Catholic history. Oh, oh, we're, we're in my, we're in my Catholic wheelhouse, (laughs) uh, with this film. Okay. Well, you know what else came out in 1973? What? The Exorcist. Oh. So yeah, there was a lot of We'd, and Catholic. I think we know. may have talked about We the, might have. Yeah, the Vatican Vatican too. But that was you know, that was like five or six years ago. I so. know, right. Yeah. <laughs> Ten, twenty years ago. Uh sometime in the beginnings of this. Uh yeah, so there's definitely like this again, I mean, obviously this is like a Celtic faith, so it's like not I, I mean, I, I'm not trying to I'm not trying to be dismissive of like like it, like indigenous beliefs, but I'm just saying that it feels this film feels very much like a tension with those sorts uh, with that with the meeting the old of ways. these old ways and like the new the the god of you know Christianity and the gods of pagan cultures mm-hmm. of nature of natural the religions. old gods and the new yes uh, American gods yes. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it just, like, there's that real, like, embodiment of, like, uh, again, this island, these people represent, like, they're doing all the things that, like, strongly devout Christians want to deny themselves, you know, the hedonism of, like, sex and freedom and that they're talking about things and they're dancing and they're wild and, you know, they're all, like... ecstatic (laughs) they're in some sort of you know fervor and he's just like everywhere he goes like he's wearing his uniform he's very buttoned up he's very like i represent you know and he's just kind of coming up against everything that he thinks is like wrong in the world uh another thing i like about this film is because when we did the blood on satan's claw obviously that is a very that has a clear supernatural element and so that's like one kind of side of like examining folk horror from a place where the horror is very real in the sense of a supernatural entity coming from the ground coming from you know the other realm the other Mm -hmm. space uh you know the liminal space between worlds uh whereas this one is very much rooted there's not any supernaturalism in it Uh, i like that in the introduction i was reading this is really truly about like the horror of people and you know, of like you know, our belief systems, our practices coming up against each other and creating the tension and creating the horror and creating the violence, the aggression, even though obviously in the case of the, the people, <laughs> they're all like, you know, it's not bad to them what they're doing. It's not evil. They're you know sac- making a sacrifice to their God, very children of the corn yeah. as we discussed. Um, so anyway, so, oh, this is, yeah, so going back to what I was trying to say about those kind of the two readings. So there's that reading where, like, that guy's the hero, or, like, you know, me being an atheist or somebody who's more part of, like, the natural world. It's like, no, the hero is these people. <laughs> it's the other side. Like, they need to destroy this, like, imperialist invading entity 
and sacrifice him to uh, to return the world to the place it was before that kind of oppression existed. Mm-hmm. So I just think again, it, it depends on like your positioning of how you want to read it. Uh, what I mean, when you watched it, what I mean, what do you think, like? About who the villain is? Yeah, or is it just everybody, maybe? Which is kind of where I fall. It's like, obviously, like, I don't want to burn people alive. I think that's awful. So it kind of, but, you know, it puts you in this weird position in the movie when watching it. It's like, well, who is, if you're going to read it in this bigger way? I mean, obviously, if you're just going to watch it as a horror film. Yeah. Well, I think it, I think the binary, right, of, like, Mm. good guys and bad guys doesn't exist in this film. Yeah, that's that's um, fair. I think that it, I think what we're dealing with, as you mentioned, is like we're dealing with people and specifically we're dealing like the horror of belief and the power of belief. Yeah. And, and it is their beliefs that are driving things. So like if people have, and we're taught like specifically as Americans that, you know, what people believe is a sacred thing. Right. We're, uh, well, to some degree, to some degree. (laughs) Yes. Um, what we're what we believe, you know, in in like uh, we to respect others' beliefs to a certain degree, you know, and within reason, uh, like you don't. Well, I don't even mean that. What I meant was that there are some like people say that, but generally, when people say that, what they mean is everybody be Christian, yeah, and respect no, no, the yeah, Christian it, beliefs, exactly. And I'm thinking from like a, I'm thinking also along those lines, yeah, as well. yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like a, I feel like it's it's limited, even though we have that belief, yeah. this ideal, yeah. but you know, and it's just starting to like incorporate like the other, yeah. like Judeo Christian and right. like, you know, um, monotheistic religions, right? So. Yeah. So with this film you're coming you're coming up against the idea of belief which means that like like which like is such an overwhelming power yeah. that it like will it literally consumes this man but it's also consumed them and so you know it's it's what their belief dictates and if you if you want to take it all the way back let's take it all the way if you want to talk about like Catholic history, right? Let's take it back to, you know, Emperor Constantine and in hoc signo, in this sign you will conquer, right? Like the the conquering, like a colonial and imperialistic force of the of the last of uh, most of human history was like people who did things in the name of Jesus Christ. So it's interesting to see like, you know, this guy is the okay, but like at the same time, like he is an authoritarian figure with the that has like you know wearing the mantle of Christ <laughs> right to tell these people that their lives are wrong so he's the villain but like i mean at the same time it's like he's also the way he dies is just very like it's that lovely delicious like horror movie <laughs> morality where it's like right. well you were shitty so now you're going to get burned alive <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know. I, I guess my answer to you is that, like, I don't know who's the bad guy. Yeah. Because I actually didn't even think that there would be, like, a quote-unquote villain in this, as I'm watching it. I, that didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. Because I see them as being completely in the right. Also because, you know, they're on, they're, they're the hosts. They're, yeah. it's, it's on their land. He is the one who's the outsider. He, he was the one, the thing that, um, I guess you could say about the quote unquote villain aspect of it is the idea that like they manipulated him and made it in such a way that he, he was lured. In. Yeah, of course. Well, that, and that was going to be one of my, my next point to, to that is exactly like he comes there with a mission that is honorable to want to find, you know, 
a, a missing child, somebody who may be murdered. And of course you're like suspicious of this town. That's like, we don't know who that is. We've never heard of this girl. And of course, as he uncovers things, it's like, wow, these people are like hiding something. But again, like, it, yeah, it's just, it's that positioning. It's that, I, I, again, I like this because it brings up all those kinds of questions and you're watching it and you're just like, when you're applying this like cultural lens or looking that we're still having these conversations of like, whose God is God, whose God is right, whose is wrong, you know, whose actually exists, whose doesn't exist. I really like that tension uh, in this film. And I really like, <laughs> one of my favorite things about this is as he's going along and he's dismissive of their faith, of their beliefs, that echo, like, Catholicism. Like, he's a Catholic, and he's, like, talking about, you know, like, the body of Christ. Like, you take communion, this is my body, this is my blood. Like, that's, like, it's a cannibalistic kind yeah. of act. Which I thought was great, because, like, he was reading that portion in Scripture, where yeah. he's reading that portion in the Scripture that's basically, like, the... The uh, scriptural support for the Eucharist, yeah, um, and and Catholics are the only Christian religion that breathe, believe in true presence, which means that they are literally eating the body of bl- body and blood. Yeah, it's trans uh, transubstantiation. Transubstantiation, yeah. Where you know the body becomes the the bread and wine become body and blood, and and that's what's what happens, and so. Like I think that point that you're making is beautifully illustrated when he has his uh, interaction with Lord Summer Isle, and he's like, you know, oh, they're celebrating par- like it's a ritual for Parthenogenesis. Yeah, and you're like, Parthenogenesis, what's that? And it's like, oh, you're gonna conceive without a man, and it's like, well, what about Jesus? I'm like, well, I'm sure Jesus was born of a virgin who had sex with a ghost. Right. Exactly. Yeah. He's again, he's so dismissive of their beliefs, uh, like uh, mm-hmm. without like seeing the irony and the guy's just like uh wasn't jesus born of a virgin yeah exactly and and that's like <laughs> yeah i mean parthenogenesis comes from the greek like partha like athena parthen parthenos mm-hmm. right so like where she was born without a man like right. she was born from well maybe not because she was born from zeus's head so yes uh, well. technically she was a man uh, anyway i'm not gonna go into that we i can cut that out later um we can <laughs> What I'm saying is that, like, you're exactly right in saying that. There's a lot of the, there's a lot of Christian belief, a lot of Catholic belief that is, like, directly rooted in pagan tradition. I mean, anyone who's really looked into Christmas, Easter, right? The big fest, big pagan festivals that were basically revamped and rewritten for, um, to incorporate, uh, Christ and Christianity mm-hmm. and then like in modern secular times have also kind of reverted right back to it right because like yeah to some extent yeah there is that kind of especially with like Easter with like the rabbits and the eggs like we now like I think a lot more people have an appreciation for the the pagan roots of those mm-hmm. that maybe they didn't have years ago when it was more about resurrection and not rebirth of yeah. like you know, the spring and the sun, the harvest and all, you know, like yeah. the planting and that, that sort of thing. And then with like Christmas being like basically the Saturnalia festival that right. was like outlawed in Rome for a long time and then came back, rebranded it as Christmas. Now we're in a situation where it's like, no, unless it is a Christian movie, there is no popular, there's nothing anywhere in any like 
most uh, popular Christmas movies that ever mention the birth of Christ. It's just right, it's this is been, our winter holiday. Yeah, it, we've yeah we've seen like sort of a reversion. Uh, I also think it's interesting that he's like talking about like again the ridiculousness of their of their practices like you know you can't just like sacrifice somebody to like save everybody else and again it's like well isn't that like the whole point of your faith in Jesus is that he was sacrificed to save the whole (laughs) and so they're like you should love this because you're now like Jesus like we're sacrificing you so that we may exactly we're giving you actually the opportunity to to realize the most sacred part of your religion which is to be a martyr to be a martyr yeah so there's just a lot of those like delicious moments in this that again if you're somebody who's extremely religious or extremely Christian like, I mean, I don't know if you'd be watching The Wicker Man anyways, but possibly. I wonder, if, it'd be interesting to, to talk to somebody who's watched it from that perspective. Because I would be curious to know, like, do those, like, messages creep in? Like, do you understand how much of your faith and how dismissive you are of other things, of other, like, you know, these sorts of, like, natural religions, like your faith is rooted in those and mm-hmm. reflects some of those same like mythologies of like, you know, the green man of rebirth of, you know, um, resurrection kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, I'm just, yeah. Cause I have no idea like watching it, you know, as an atheist, I'm just like, this is fascinating from like, just looking at it as a cultural anxiety of like the destruction of values that, you know, people say that the country is going in, you know, that, um, you know, this free, like freedom of, that women have in a way. Although I don't think this film does as, I don't know if I'd call this necessarily like a feminist film. Mm, uh, I don't know about that either. Yeah. They try the remake. That's what they tried to kind of do. Uh, the Nick Cage film that came out in 2006, they, they made changes to it to kind of give it that sort of thing. Like, you know, I think the Christopher Lee's character is Ellen is played by Ellen Burstyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's like lady summer Isle, I think, or, Mother Summer Isle or Sister Summer, something like that. You know, one of those kinds of. To know that she's like Lady Mother Sister, the, the pagan, yes. like <laughs> I, she's running this this thing, and it kind of has that sort of you know more of a conversation about like patriarchal destruction and and whatnot. This is more uh, feels a little. I mean, Lord Summer Isle's very cult figure like <laughs> yeah well this his... is very much like it is very much an indictment or no maybe not an indictment but like an exploration and examination of like the old ways and the new ways yeah yeah and old culture versus like modern culture because again like you know there's a lot that's there's a lot technologically that's happening there's a lot that's happening like we just finished the 60s you know this is there's a lot going on. And this guy is like the, that's the other thing too, is that like for as, um, uh, Sergeant Howie is like also very, um, very antiquated, but like a specific type of, yeah, he's a specific type of anachronism, right? Yeah. Cause there, his, um, his belief is so formal and it's bound in, um, it's bound in like restraint and it's right. bound in sacrifice, like in, in um, self-denial. Yeah. Um, and that's the other thing too, like with this, it's like, it's uncomfortable for me to watch as someone who, um, you know, was raised Catholic and had a very robust Catholic faith for a long time. Um, it's, it's repressed. It, much. Um, 
<laughs> I know it was it was it was very uncomfortable to watch because he's just like going in there telling these people that they're doing it wrong, which right. is the which is kind of the reason why like I don't really practice anymore mm-hmm. is because someone people are telling me I'm doing it wrong. Right. But he also is like they have so much joy. Yeah. And you can't Yeah, they're ecstatic the whole time. They're ecstatic the whole time. <laughs> And it's just like, who's the one who's in the prison? Like, right. who's the one that's in the prison? Because he, he has so much, they have so much joy. And he's the one who's like, you know, yes, he's there to investigate potentially a disappearance, or a disappearance, potentially a murder. But, you know, who's the one who is the one, who's the one that's in prison? Who's the one right. that's, you know, Yeah, everywhere he free. looks, he sees, you know, perversion or like, you know, he's like very upset that the, the children are get, being given like a frank uh, lesson on like the phallus and the penis, yeah, and, uh, you know, and that that the people in the town are just yeah. are free and you know um, doing yeah. things that they want. My misogyny <laughs> alert was going off during that scene because he like called all of them liars. Yeah, it was very. Yeah, he was. You're like, the biggest liar of them all. Or yeah. well, we 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 thought we were gonna do this whole episode in the brogue, uh, <laughs> in the Scottish brogue. Um, no, I'm glad. I'm that was a choice that we wisely. Uh, I know we don't want to alienate away those from. Folks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's quite a it's quite a film. Like you know, I'm so glad that it's still around that because it was sort of shelved. What I was reading was, you know, the studio was just like, Whoa, what the, what do we make? Is this going to go over well, you know? And so it kind of could have been lost very easily to time. And thankfully it wasn't because it is a very, uh, it works on so many levels. It's got a lot of subtext, I think in it, it has, and even if not, if you just watch it from beginning to end as the story that it is, it's great. Uh, the music, it, it's weird and catchy. Yeah. There are definitely some catchy moments in it. It's like that. Oh God. It's that like when you, li- like you listen to it and it's like that, you know, folky poppy, yeah. you know, music from specifically the UK at right. the time. Yeah, just, that pastoral folk kind of yes. tunes. And then like and then like when he's getting cha- when he's chasing Rowan through the cave, um it's like <laughs> it, it's very like mod squad. It's very like like that's true. Yeah, the music really takes a turn there. Yeah. <laughs> right before the whole film takes a, uh, a big turn. Yeah. Uh yeah, uh the ending Obviously, you know, it goes right through to uh, old uh, old Howie. He's mm-hmm. getting burned up in The Wicker Man. Uh, I read differing reports that some of the animals were injured, but then somebody else said that they weren't, so I couldn't find Because I was a little concerned. There were some moments there where they were showing the fire, and it was like, some of those animals are in... Like, where is the fire actually at? Yeah. Because the animals it are It also looked like he was literally in the, getting Yeah, there. it was kind of, like, scary. Like, I'm very curious how they, like, filmed all that. And then, like, it's a little distressing to watch. Uh, you know, if you've not seen it, dear listener, and you're watch- listening to this first. Uh, but, I like, some of the screaming of the animals is very disorienting and very, like, upsetting, I think. There was, like, a moment where the goat is, like, going on, and I'm just like, this is making me really like 
you know, like they're burning a guy alive, but I'm very <laughs> concerned for the goat. I was, I was just about to call attention to the fact that yeah. Joshua. Is, He's got Jesus though. He's screaming about Psalms and you know, what is that Psalm? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd. Yeah. You know? 23 or something. Yeah. You know, uh, 27, 21, 22, I don't know. It's one of those. Uh, it's hike. a famous song. Yes. Uh, 21, 24, so he's 27, like, you know, hike. He's at peace. He knows he's going to burn up and he's going to go see Jesus. But the poor goat, they don't freaking know. And the pigs and the other things. So I hope that none of the animals actually were, like, burned. But they were... I also hope that he wasn't either. No, I'm sure the he actor. wasn't. Yeah I, yeah, I think he was fine. I think he actually... I think Christopher Lee said this is one of his favorite movies to make. I think that guy also said that he really enjoyed the film, the final product, uh, Edward Woodward. Uh, I think so, that was some of the um, um, notes that I saw was that, yeah, I think a lot of the people involved in this, like were really proud of it in the end and still like, well, those who were alive until recently, uh, you know, I still consider it to be a, to be a good, to be a good film. And uh, we're, we're happy to be part of it. Mm-hmm. Dear listener, if you have any um, film editing prowess, uh, please make me a, uh, a, please make me a video of um, the, the, <laughs> the landlord's daughter uh, doing her pussy dance um, with wet ass pussy in the background. Please, <laughs> please do that for me. That was quite an intense scene. Uh, that's very seventies as well. Like all of like the female nudity. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to think there isn't really any male nudity at all. And it is there. No. Yeah. But, but, so again, I that's mean, why that's it's like, uh, also misogyny. Right. Yeah. That's the way those, that, you know, shows up. It's not like, yeah, there's not like context given, you know, the women are just trying to get like impregnated by the fire God or whatever. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Oh, that was one last point that we kind of talked about uh, was that, so they lure the guy there so that he's like there, he's got to fulfill their four things, you know, that he's got the power of the King, that he comes willingly, that he's, um, um, a fool, <laughs> and then that he's also a virgin. I was trying to think, like, how many films are there? I mean, obviously, Hocus Pocus, we talked about earlier. Yes, that Hocus Pocus. needs a virgin to light the candle, and who happens to be a boy. Yeah. But it didn't have to be a man, right? Well, I guess this didn't really have to be a man either. They could have sacrificed someone else, but I thought that was interesting that a plot point being that a man was a virgin... I think is kind of rare in films, especially then in 73. Yeah. And also because there was, it's interesting because like in the context of the film, like there's that reverence for the phallus, right? With the yeah. maypole and everything. So to have a man be a virgin who there's a purity there and yeah. he is willing to like, uh, you know, it's his blood in which they're that here's his pure unsullied blood. Right. Where he, he can cast his, seed onto their orchards and thus, you know, be whatever. whatever. Right, right. Yeah, help them, you know, get their their crops back. Yeah. Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting plot point that when I was watching it again, I was thinking like, you know, have we seen that in many films? Like, it's pretty rare. If it's not for a comic, obviously, you know, comedy reason to for it to be like a really literal, like, you know, this man Mm -hmm. is a virgin. Once bitten. Right, but again, that's funny. Comedy, yeah, that's yeah. comedy. But, I mean, you're right. It's part of it, but I'm just trying to think of, like, horror films that kind of explore that. So, I, I don't know. I, 
I think that kind of adds another interesting uh, layer to it. Dear listener, message us, please, if you find any other non-comedic horror films where being a male virgin is something that is required. Yeah. Uh, Do you think their crops come back? Uh, That's a good question. I... Actually, because he, the thing is, uh, the thing that I loved about his final like plea is that it instills enough doubt in yeah. the viewer, but there is a, but it also shows the kind of the horror of belief because right. it's like no, this is gonna happen. Like I was expecting yeah, Christopher, but Lee. they are also very steadfast in yeah. their beliefs and will not be talked out of them as well. Exactly, same as him. Yeah, exactly. And and I think that it was interesting on when, when he was like, "It'll they'll ask for you next time." Somehow. Yeah, I'm like, well, first of all, how do you know that? Second of all, I was expecting him to be like, "Sure," and I will give my life for this place. Yeah, but he didn't say that. He surprised me when he was like, "No, it's gonna happen." Yeah, this like, will work. We're not. This worried is gonna about work. It. We're not worried about it. Um, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I, 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 again, because they never really hint at a truly supernatural presence, we're left at the end with that kind of question of whether or not it actually works. Um, obviously, you know, we're going to talk about some other folk horror films, but, uh, you, because you've seen a few, obviously you can see how this echoes into them. Uh, so it's going to be fun to continue this conversation, comparing things back to the wicker man, uh, which I think some of the upcoming movies have more in common with than the blood on Satan's claw, because there's, you know, again, lacking like a supernatural element to some degree. The next film we're doing, I think does have a, it kind of combines them, you know? So it's like Mm -hmm. part wicker man, part blood on Satan's claw. Uh, but you obviously can see how they're they're echoing. Yes, the wicker claw. Right, the wicker claw. The, the blood on Satan's man. The blood on his wicker chair. <laughs> That's something else. <laughs> uh, never mind. Uh, all right. Well, yay! That was the Wicker Man, Joe. Another yeah. film. Another film you've seen. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> we're, we're, what is this? hundred and seventy something, hundred and eighty episodes. We're, we're, oh my gosh, we've watched so much horror. We've watched so horror. Much. <laughs> we've watched so much, and yeah. still, and still, we have more to watch. Yes, there's always more. That's what's amazing. The list grows every day. That is the true message of this show: is that there's always horror. Yes. Look behind you. <laughs> ah! righty. Well. Thank you again. This was so much fun, as always. This was a joy. Joyful, joyful. Lord, I, uh, we adore thee. We do. We do adore <laughs> thee. Um, so um, I do want us to take a little trip in the backyard. I have something I would like you to, to see. <laughs> there was a man, and he was on a grave, and then there was a woman on top of that man, and then <laughs> what is it? <laughs> I don't know, but you're going to figure the, it out. It's the size of the man and the woman. The I remember that the, the tree with the limb, with the branch, with the, the nest, with the egg, with the, the feather, feather and in the, the bed. In the bed. And then, okay, the tree, and then in the bed, there is a man, and then the woman's on top of the man, and then um, inside the man is a seed. The seed goes into the woman, and then there's a boy. Like, you have to watch The Wicker Man to even remotely get what we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Let's figure, let's, we'll learn the song, Joe, and we'll perform it at karaoke next time we're out. All righty, that is enough of this nonsense. Good night. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 